1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And I just said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of mills shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he... And her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach on this thought, a thought I could not get away from while seeking the Lord's will for this final service. Blessings at the bottom of the barrel. You know, you'll probably hear me make this statement throughout the course of my message tonight. Honestly, if all of us would be honest, we do most of our giving from the top of the barrel. Really, we do. I'm talking about me and my family as well. Honestly, we do most of our giving from the top of the barrel. But my prayers tonight is that God would allow our eyes of faith to be opened and to consider for just a few moments a woman who found blessings by giving not from the top, but from the bottom of the barrel. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord Jesus, I love you tonight. I thank you for the wonderful Bible preaching we've already heard. My, how my heart has been stirred by the good Bible preaching tonight. I thank you for my dear friend, Dr. Terry Ellis and Rock of Ages Ministries. Thank you, Lord, for Dr. Gravely and these dear people here at the Bible Baptist Church. For the next very few moments, would you knit our hearts together? And I'll thank you and I'll praise you for it. Help me, I pray. I'm nothing without you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Please be seated tonight. Every time I'm blessed to read this true story before us, I never cease to be amazed how that many times God uses miracles like this in his word in order to teach us some of the most practical, some of the most profitable truths of all of the Bible. I submit to you that is exactly what God is doing here in 1 Kings chapter 17, especially when it comes to this matter of giving by 
faith. In fact, here in the chapter before us, you and I witnessed God sending the man of God to an unlikely place to meet an unlikely person in order that he might experience what the world would call an unlikely provision. Remember, it was by the brook Cherith, a stream in Gilead, east of Jordan, that God sent the old scavenger birds to feed Elijah. The word of God reveals that he ate bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and that he drank from the waters of the brook at least until the brook began to dry up. Then God sent Elijah to a little town of the Mediterranean coast between Tyre and Sidon, a place by the name of Zarephath. We've read about it here in the text before us this evening. After Elijah comes to the gate of the city, he sees a little widow woman gathering some sticks there and he calls to her according to verse 10 of the chapter and says, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now, I believe it's important for you and I to remember while considering this little woman's story, there is a famine going on here. But yet Elijah calls to her, having come to the gate of the city, and asked her for a little water in a vessel. As she was going to fetch it, the Bible says that he called to her again and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand as well. Notice the widow's response in verse number 12. As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Notice the man of God's response in verse 13. Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And again, the word of God reveals that God was as good as his word. And I say that because of verse, according to verse number 15, the Bible goes on to say as a result of this little woman's obedience to the word of God that she and he and her house did eat many days. Now friends, surely you would agree with me tonight when I say what we witness here in 1 Kings chapter 17 is nothing less than a mighty miracle of God. What we witness here in the text before us is God taking a little bit and turning it into more than enough. <laughs> oh, we witness God taking gloom and turning gloom into glory. We witness God taking poverty and turning poverty into plenty. I said it earlier and I believe it bears repeating tonight. What you and I witness here in the chapter before us is God sending the man of God to an unlikely place to meet an unlikely person in order that he might experience what the world would call a most unlikely provision. A provision, mind you, that ultimately came to pass as a result of one little woman's giving by faith. 
Can I say to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I believe this little woman sets a great example for each and every one of God's children this evening. Because when she gave, she was giving by faith. Can I encourage you to consider the fact tonight this woman wasn't giving because she could afford to give. She wasn't giving because what she was giving fit in her weekly budget. She wasn't giving from the top of the barrel. She was giving from the bottom of the barrel. She wasn't even giving in order to gain a tax receipt to help her with her taxes on the end at the end of the year. Absolutely not. Listen, she was giving by faith in the word that God had given her through the ministry of the man of God. And therefore tonight as you pray about your missions giving in the coming year, as you follow the faith of your pastor to give more, to go more, to sacrifice more for the sake of world evangelism in the coming days, Let me call your attention to just a very few things directly from the text tonight. A few things which in turn will reveal some wonderful blessings at the bottom of the barrel. First of all, notice tonight, number one, the challenges this woman faced in her giving. The challenges she faced In her giving. Now in just a few moments we're going to dig into the text here. But let me say this before we do. There will always be challenges you and I will face when it comes to our giving. If you're waiting until you make the final house payment. Then chances are you will never know the joy. You will never experience the blessing of giving regularly, faithfully, systematically. Listen, over and above your regular tithes and offerings so that others could hear the gospel. There will always be challenges you will face when it comes to giving by faith. I believe when you study the word of God, we witness here in the text three distinct challenges this woman faced in her giving. First of all, consider the challenge of her place. The Bible goes to great lengths to teach us where this woman was living at the time. She is living in a place called Zarephath. Zarephath was the hometown of of Queen Jezebel. Why, it's no wonder God sent the man of God there as it would have been one of the most unlikely places that Elijah would have ever gone to seek refuge or provision. And Ahab would have never even given a moment's thought uh, to send investigators to Zarephath. I mean, after all, who wants to live in Zarephath? Zarephath was a Gentile town filled with worshipers of the fertility god Baal. Consider the challenge of this woman's place. She is a widow. She is living in Zarephath. 
Not only consider the challenge of her place, consider the challenge of her position. The Bible goes to great leaps again to teach us that this woman, she is a widow woman. And it's important as we read and study these verses of Scripture to know and to realize that in this day and hour, in this society, women were largely dependent upon the men in their lives to provide shelter, food, and protection for them. However, the Word of God says this woman's husband had died. Consider the challenge of her position. Verse number 12 goes on to say that this woman had a son. Therefore, she is not only responsible to provide for herself, now she has to provide for her son as well. Consider the challenge of her position. Now, it would be one thing if she was a widow, a poor widow living in Israel. I mean, God makes provision in his law for poor individuals that were living in Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 11, for the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore, I command thee saying, thou shalt open thy hand wide unto thy brethren, to thy poor and to thy needy in the land. But it's important for us to understand tonight that Deuteronomy 15 and verse 11 was the law of God for God's people who were dwelling in Israel. In Zarephath, the people there had no such connection to the law. Consider the challenge of her position. Consider the challenge of her problems. If you're wondering just how poor this woman really is? Take a look at verse 12. Elijah asks for a morsel of bread. He isn't asking for a loaf of bread because quite frankly, he realizes this woman doesn't have a loaf of bread to give. In verse number 10, he's not asking for a cruise of water because Elijah understands. He realizes this woman doesn't have that much water. So Elijah doesn't ask for a lot of water. In verse number 10, he asks for a little bit of water. A little water. A little bread. The famine had not only affected this woman physically, the famine had affected her financially. The widow replies to the man of God and tells him all she has is a handful of meal. Not a storage room full of meal. Not a, uh, a crock full of meal. No, she has a handful of meal. And by the way, she doesn't have a lot of oil. According to the Bible, she has a little oil. Well, if you look in verse 12, at the time this conversation is taking place, she is outside gathering a few sticks and not a bundle, only two at that. Boy, that's a great message right there, but that's not my message tonight. But do you, you understand? She doesn't even have wood for warmth, much less for cooking. Not a lot of oil, a little oil. Not a tub full of meal, a handful of meal. Consider the challenges of her problems. According to the Bible, she intends to take those little sticks and use them to cook one last meal for her and her son. 
Consider the challenges she faced in her giving. A Gentile widow woman with a son to provide for, no husband, no firewood, not a lot of oil, just a little oil, not even as much of a loaf of bread. I've said it many, many times before. I want to say it. I mean to be repetitive tonight. This was an unlikely person in an unlikely place. But how many of you know tonight that our great God specializes in you? using unlikely people in unlikely places whose backs are against the wall. Now that will become even more evident as we not only consider, number one, the challenges she faced in her giving, but notice secondly, the choices she made in her giving. Her plan, according to verse 12, was to die. But God had a different plan. God presented this little woman with a choice. Through the ministry of Elijah, God gives her another option. God's plan was to give. To give or not to give. That was the choice this woman was faced with. Elijah tells her, according to verse number 13, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Now, to the casual Bible reader, this would seem somewhat of a conceited request by the man of God. I mean, after all, this little woman wouldn't be given out of plenty. She would be giving out of poverty. Make me thereof, Elijah said, a little cake first. But seek ye first. Matthew 6 and 33. But seek ye, but seek ye. Ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. And when you study the proper context of Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33, all of these other things that the Bible speaks of are the daily necessities of life. God says, if you put me first, I give you my word. I'll make sure that everything you need will be provided. It's as simple as that. Now, either you believe that, friend, or you don't. But for those of us that dare to believe the Bible, can I just go on record? And I want to say it loud enough to wherever devil and imp of hell can hear me say it. I believe the Bible. I want to say it again. I believe the Bible. God wasn't going to force this woman to be a giver just like God isn't going to force any of us to be givers as well. No, the choice was the woman's. But right along with the choice that she was presented with, God gave her a promise. Verse 14 
The Bible says, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Not for thus saith Elijah. Oh, I realize it was Elijah that was uh, passing God's promise along to the woman. But these, ladies and gentlemen, are not the words of Elijah. Elijah made it abundantly clear in verse 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Not Elijah. Not for thus saith the visiting evangelist that's trying to stir our hearts to give more to world evangelism in the coming year. Absolutely not. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. The barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. So this little woman was faced with a choice to give or not to give. Some would have clearly chosen the latter of the two, but not this woman. Some would have even taken offense at the challenge from the man of God, but not this woman. Can I tell you, this woman was moved by the word of God. She was motivated by the word of God. Study this chapter. God had already informed her that the man of God was on his way. She didn't know how. She didn't know when. But according to verse number nine, God had already given her her, his word to sustain the man of God. And now she is presented with an opportunity to act upon what thus saith the Lord. And what does the Bible teach us? about acting upon what thus saith the Lord. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 declares, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This woman was moved by faith. She was motivated by faith. She not only heard the word of God, she acted upon the word of God. She made the choice to give by placing faith in God's word. What about you in the coming year? Preacher, I've had the blessing of pastoring independent, fundamental, temperamental Baptist for 22 years of my life. And during 22 years of missions conferences, during 22 years of missions Sundays, it never failed. Someone would always come to me at some time and they would say something like this, Preacher, I just can't see it. I I mean, after all, Preacher, I mean, we're already supporting 50 missionaries. Do you want to do more? And I would say, yes. And then we got up to 75. Then we got up to 100. Then we got up to 150. And 15 years ago, we were giving at the Canaan Baptist Church about $200,000 a year so that others could hear the gospel. Running five buses at that time, gas was about what it is now. And it never failed, Miss Nolita. Someone would come up and they would say something. I just can't see it. Now listen, I've been blessed during 22 years of pastoring. I've served with some wonderful deacons. Wonderful deacons. And I remember uh, one of the deacons I had at the second church I pastored in Statesville, North Carolina. He loved me and I loved him, but he just couldn't see it. 
would say to me, he said, Preacher, we're getting ready to build a brand new auditorium. Uh, you've already led us into borrowing a quarter of a million dollars. We have that much saved up and it's going to take even more. You want to run all these buses. What in the world are we going to, how in the world are we going to, what in the, I, we just can't see it. Well, I got news for you. If you can see it, there'd be no faith to it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm sure this little widow woman would have never seen it looking through her physical eyes. But when she opened her eyes of faith, having heard the word of God, she saw little turning into much. She saw poverty turning into plenty. She didn't see despair. She saw deliverance, but only as she opened her eyes of faith. And by the way, can I just say this? That's why the word of God, listen church members, that's why the word of God instructs you and in fact commands you to follow his faith. Preacher, I just can't see it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you guys are getting ready to build a new auditorium. That's exciting I'm excited that it's him and not me, but that's exciting, amen. And I've been through building projects before. I, I remember that. I remember one deacon, and I'm not down on deacons. I had some wonderful deacons, and I'm sure, I'm sure you do as well. But I remember one deacon telling me, he told me, I'm quoting him verbatim. He said, preacher, better go easy on that missions giving. Can I just say now that I'm not a pastor what I wish I would have said then? I'd rather meet in a cardboard box. I said I'd rather meet in a cardboard box and have some trophies to lay at Jesus' feet when we get to heaven before I take missionaries off the field to build a new auditorium. We have many reasons you ought to thank God for your man of God. He's gonna build a new auditorium and give more to missions than this church has ever given in its history. Hallelujah. I'll never forget that, that deacon said, boy, preacher, you, give it, you better go easy on this missions giving. I mean, we borrowed all this money. And you've got to understand, quarter of a million dollars, it's a lot to me now, but it was really a lot 20 years ago. And the church had never, never done anything like that. I, I was the first full-time pastor that the church ever had. And we started taking on missionaries by faith. And you know how that started? Uh, we had my predecessor, Dr. Thurman Wade in, and I told him, when you come, Dr. Wade, I don't want you to mention nothing about missions giving. This church knows nothing about missions. I mean, they support a few missionaries out of the general fund at uh, $25 a piece a month. I think at that time we had about 10 missionaries. I said, Dr. Wade, all in the world, I want you to do is come in and just fan the flame of world evangelism. All I want to do this year is introduce missions to this church. So Dr. Wade, come in. He did exactly what I had asked him to do. He finished preaching on Tuesday night of that Sunday through Wednesday meeting. There was a young man who sat back on the back row of the church. He was a single man, but he worked a regular job after Dr. Wade finished preaching. And I started to dismiss the service. Old brother Ronnie back there stuck his hand in the air and he said, Hey preacher, can I, can I say a word? I said, Why, well, of course, brother Ronnie. What's God put on your heart tonight? And Brother Ronnie said, 
God has touched my heart about world evangelism and given to missions. He said, preacher, I don't know any other thing to do than what I want to ask you if I can do. I said, all right, Brother Ronnie, what is it? He said, I'd like to give $25 a month over and above my regular tithes and offerings. Could we put it in a special account designated to reach the world with the gospel? I said, absolutely, Brother Ronnie. I think that'd be the perfect will of God. Well, Brother Ronnie sit down and another brother stood up. And then when that brother sat down, another brother stood up. Another brother stood up. Another brother stood up. By the time that missions conference was through, we had taken on about 30 missionaries by faith. Boy, I went home, Brother Goolsby, after that meeting, and I thought to myself, man, I was so fired up in front of the church. I told the church, hallelujah, we're going to reach this world. We're going to plant churches all over this world. I was so fired up. Then I went home, and I thought, oh, dear Lord, they'll never give all that money. What in the world are we going to do? I'm going to look like a fool when this thing don't add up. But you know what? Every single month, we take meal out of the barrel, and God put more meal in the barrel. We take oil out of the cruise and God put more oil in the cruise. You can't outgive God. Amen. By the way, we built that church, took on more mission. The next year, we went full, Dr. Ellis, full-blown missions giving, faith promise. I mean, full-blown. We take on about another four. I remember calling up Dr. Wade and Dr. D. Hamby at Macedonia saying, look, I need 30 missionaries. Send me the names. What are you going to do? I'm going to support every one of them. Send me every name of missionaries that you have that need support. And we took them all on. And by the way, that quarter of a million dollars, we paid off in three years. Giving more money to missions than we've ever given before. But that wasn't forced on us, Brother Hewitt. God presented us with his word and then God gave us a choice. Then we had to act upon what God said by taking a step of faith. Why, it's no wonder the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It's no wonder Hebrews 11 and 5 says, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. It's no wonder Hebrews 11 and 7 says, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. It's no wonder Hebrews 11 and 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, Isaac, verse 20 of the chapter. By faith, Jacob, verse 21 of the chapter. By faith, Joseph, verse 22 of the chapter. By faith, Moses, verse 23 of the chapter. By faith, verse 31 says, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. Are you getting the picture? And what shall I more say? God asks in verse 32 of Hebrews 11. 
For the time would fail me. For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in the fight, turned to the flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And these all, verse 39 of Hebrews 11, having obtained a good report, how? Through faith. But without faith. Verse 6 says, it is impossible not highly unlikely, but impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This dear woman in the text experienced blessing after blessing. She experienced supernatural provision in the midst of a devastating famine because God honored her faith. That's why in closing we not only see the challenges she faced in her giving, the choices she made in her giving, but we finally see the cheer she experienced as a result of her giving as well. According to verses 15 and 16, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days and the barrel of meal wasted not. Amen? Neither did the cruise of oil fail. According to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. As the widow obeyed God, as the widow exercised her faith in giving, God honored his promise. She'd take a handful out, God would put another handful of meal in. She'd pour a little oil out, God would put a little more in the cruise. God always honors his word. And can I tell you, Bible Baptist Church, I know you know this. Your preacher preaches this. But God has given you a promise. Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let me remind you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Philippians 4, 19 isn't a promise to whosoever. Philippians 4.19 even isn't a promise to the entire family of God. If you're not a giver, 
Philippians 4.19 is off limits to you. Philippians 4.19 isn't a promise to the stingy or the selfish. Philippians 4.19 isn't a promise to those ministry misers that are looking to hoard up large amounts of money for the Antichrist to get after the church has been raptured from the earth. Philippians 4.19 was a promise that God made to a church that cared for others by getting others the same gospel that had changed their lives. The blessing for this little woman, brother, it wasn't at the top of the barrel. It was at the point in the barrel that she had to exercise her You remember what Paul said about that church of Philippi, which, by the way, is one of those Macedonian churches that Brother Ellis and I preach about every week of our lives in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul said of the church of Philippi, they sent what? Once and again. Isn't that what the Bible says? Once and again unto his necessity. You know what that means? When God put money in the missions account, they'd send it on to Paul. And when they sent it on to Paul, God put more in the account. Then they'd do it again. Then God'd do it again. Then they'd do it again. Then God'd do it again. God would give through them to give what he would have never given to them to keep. They learned the joy of giving from the bottom of the barrel. I'll share this true story with you and I'm through. I had the blessing of pastoring Canaan Baptist Church of Covington, Georgia for the last 12 years of the 22 years that I pastored. I think it was while I was pastoring there that I met your pastor. We became friends. That was a long time ago. I've been in missions now for about seven years. So that was about 19 years ago uh, when I first got to, to Canaan. And when I first got to Canaan, the church had gone through a tremendous hard time. I mean, Brother Goolsby preached for us, I guess, just about every year that I was there. And he really saw the church progress. He was there when, listen, we only had a handful of people. And when you got a 600-seat auditorium and you're running about 75, 80 on a Sunday morning, I did a whole lot of preaching to the Wood family because the pews were made of wood and that's who I preached to every Sunday. But I'll never forget when I went to the church, the church was about $400,000 in debt. $400,000 in debt. And Mr. Olita, I'm telling you, when I got there, we had $4,000 in the bank. I knew when I went that I would more than likely, and I was fine if I had to do this, get a job. So just to supplement the income because the church couldn't afford to do any more than that. But nevertheless, Cassie and I knew, we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that's where God would have us to go. Not long after I was there, I got the men of the church together and interest rates were falling at the time. And I said, fellas, you know, I think we could refinance our debt and we could make the debt more manageable. Now, now God had graciously provided every single week. And by the way, I never did have to get a job. God just miraculously provided every single, every single month. And so we eventually refinanced the buildings, or at least we tried to. I called uh, 
SunTrust Bank in Atlanta, Georgia, and they came out to our property. They walked the property with me. They wanted to see the giving records of the church. I sort of felt strange handing them the giving records because I thought, well, this will probably seal our doom. And he looked at the giving records of the church and he said, uh, uh, Mr. Caudill, I noticed that you have over the last five or six years, and by the way, that was before I got there, you've had a tremendous loss of giving units. And I said, giving units? What? what? Oh, you mean people. Yeah, there's a tremendous loss of people. We call them people around here. You call them giving units at SunTrust. We call them people around here. He said, well, what is your plan? This is exactly what he said. What is your plan to turn the church around financially? That's what he asked. It's a fair question. If they're going to assume our debt, which is $400,000, and he knows we only have four grand in the bank, I'd want to know the preacher's plan, but I just got the sneaking suspicion that he wasn't going to give us the loan. So I loaded his wagon. I said, sir, my plan is to take on missionaries. My plan is to do the work of God. Because God gave us a promise in Philippians 4.19, if we would get busy caring about others, if we would get busy giving from the bottom of the barrel as opposed to from the top of the barrel, God would bless it and he's promised that he would supply all of our need. And this is what he said. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but the way you folks support missionaries, if you support missionaries, you're giving money out. I said, that is exactly right. And I'll never forget what he did. He closed his folder and he chuckled. He shook my hand and said, maybe we should talk on down the road when the church is in a little bit better financial condition. Well, the treasurer of the church was there that day and she told me, she said, wow, preacher, we've already voted to refinance. We, what do you think? We're going to have to go back to the church? I said, no, no. We need to do this. And we finally found the little bank that refinanced all of our buildings for us and it really helped us as far as having a little breathing room every month. But not long after that, my predecessor, Dr. Thurman Wade at Macedonia, came and he was preaching on a mission Sunday at the church. And I was sitting there enjoying the service like I've enjoyed the service tonight. And Dr. Wade was raising money for the Missionary Training Center there on Macedonia's home office grounds today. And it's there right now. He was raising money at that time to build that building. And he had already raised a lot of money, but he needed a hundred more churches to give a thousand dollars. That's what he needed. He needed a hundred thousand dollars. And so uh, I guess about three quarters of the way through that message, God spoke to my heart and said, why don't you lead this church into being one of those hundred churches and give a thousand dollars? And I said, Lord, I know you must be talking to somebody else besides me because we ain't got but four. Lord, you know we are $400,000 in debt and we've got $4,000 in the bank and you want me to lead this church? I've not been here long enough to do that. Some of these people don't even know my name. And I surely don't know their name. But yet I think they're going to trust me to give 25% of everything this church has away tonight. God made me miserable. I haven't a clue what Dr. Wade said. 
from the moment he said that to the time. I don't even know. I, listen, he, he might have been, I don't know what he said. He might have been completely out of the Bible. I don't know because God was breaking my heart. I'll never forget what I did. I walked up on the platform and I walked slowly to the pulpit and when I stood in the pulpit, I said, church, listen, some of you don't even know me yet. I realize I've not been here long enough to earn your respect now, all of you respect me, but it, it, it's just for the position you don't even know me yet. And I understand you probably can't wholeheartedly trust me now. But I'm just telling you, while Dr. Wade presented that need, while I was sitting right there about where Brother Di is sitting tonight, God burdened my heart that we should be one of those hundred churches to give $1,000. I said, now listen, church. Nobody in this building understands the finances around here even more than I do. I understand if we give $1,000, we're giving a fourth of everything we have away. We're giving it away. But I'm telling you, I believe it would be what God would have us to do. I said, can I get a... And I got about right there and one fellow in the back said, I make a motion. And before I even said, can I get a... Another fellow said, I'll make a motion. I guess they figured, huh, we ain't got anything to lose. We might as well give everything we got away. So you know what we did? We gave a fourth of everything we gave. Of everything we had, rather. We gave it away. A fourth of everything. We was given from the bottom of the barrel. Now, I'm going to fast forward 12 years. Not only did we pay that debt off, not only did we do over $200,000 worth of renovations on the property, not only did we start running five bus routes every single week, we did it while giving between $150,000 and $200,000 a year so that others could hear the gospel. And when my friend, Brother Billy Ingram, got to the church, when he started pastoring the church, there's a quarter of a million in the bank Amen. waiting on him when he got there. Now that might not excite you. But I tell you what, if I hadn't a blown my gallbladder out preaching this morning, I'd take five more laps around this auditorium right now. That's the God I serve. That's the God I serve. That's the God I serve every day when Elijah ordered his pancakes. That woman would take a handful of meal out. God put another handful in. She'd give it out. God put it 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 in. You want the blessings of the Lord? You want to know something about the touch of God? The power of God? Learn to give from the bottom of the barrel. There are blessings at the bottom of the barrel. You've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me? I wonder if there are some Christians here at the Bible Baptist Church tonight that would just love to come and pray about your missions giving for the coming year.
Oh, every church does it differently. I respect that. I enjoy that. We're all independent Baptists. It's one of the joys of being an independent Baptist. But one thing's for certain, your pastor has certainly given you an opportunity as a church to exercise your faith when it comes to giving. There are so many stories I could tell you tonight. And I'm sure if we were to open the floor for testimonies this evening, there would be story after story after story about how God provided when you reach the bottom of the barrel. I know you hear it so often, but it really is true. You can't outgive the Lord. You can't. Lord, I'm so thankful that Cassie and I have the privilege of giving over and above our regular tithes and offerings every month through our local church so that others could hear the gospel. And we have been blessed to experience the joy of giving from the bottom of the barrel on many, many occasions. How about you? God has given you a choice. Oh, He's not going to force you to give. But He sure has presented you with a wonderful choice that needs to be made. To give or not to give. There's nothing wrong with retirement accounts. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Nothing wrong at all with retirement accounts. But I'll tell you this. I'd hate to think I'd have more invested in this temporary world than what I had invested in the world to come. And by the way, can I just, I just feel at liberty tonight to say this. I would hate to think that I would give an internet company or a dish TV network more a month than I would give to keep souls out of hell. God help us. God help us to make the right choice this year. To make an investment for all of eternity. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe, just maybe, some of us tonight would refuse to let another year pass without learning the joy and the blessing of giving from the bottom of the barrel. 